Hello and welcome to Minnesota's Swine and You podcast series, a University of Minnesota Extension Swine program. Today's podcast is another research update on the topic of PERS virus variants infectivity. My name is Sarah Sheik Belke, your host, and I'm a swine extension educator with the University of Minnesota. Joining me today is second year PhD student Marcelo Malini. And like I mentioned, he is a PhD student in the Department of Veterinary Population Medicine. To get us started today, Marcelo, will you tell us a little bit about yourself, including who you are working with on this research project? Well, thank you for the invitation, Sarah. Um, I'm currently working with Cesar Corso, who is my advisor on uh, our own first projects, but I'm also uh, helping part-time uh, with the Morrison Swine Health Monitoring Project Group. And they have also their own projects, which sometimes I get the chance to help. Uh, a little bit uh, more about me is I was born and raised in Guatemala. It's a Central American country. Um, there I got my degree in veterinary medicine, I also got a master's degree there. And before I came to the University of Minnesota, I also worked for several years in different swine-related companies and farms to improve the health status or management and production of the pigs. Thank you. So what ultimately attracted you to a PhD program here at the University of Minnesota? That's a, I wouldn't say like a funny story, but it's an interesting story in, in that I was just working at this company back home and um, there was this veterinarian that uh, is a consultant for the company and when I was driving him around, uh, he told me, you should apply to a graduate student program in the University of Minnesota. And I said, do I really uh, qualify for this? I said, yes, 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 you have the qualifications, just apply. Um, then COVID hit and I had to pause that idea. And the following year, I said, no, I'm going to apply again uh, because I, I really want to um, improve help towards the industry. Uh, I do like this industry. The swine industry to me is extremely interesting. There's a lot of things to, to improve. So that's what I wanted to focus on. So I came here to the University of Minnesota on a master's program. And after that, um, I was discussing with Cesar and he asked me, do you want to pursue a PhD program? Um, and I said, yes. So I switched recently uh, around May. We made the switch from the master's program to a PhD program. Yeah, that first question is always my favorite in asking uh, graduate students because, yeah, everybody takes a slightly different path to their graduate program um, here at the University of Minnesota. So so thank you for sharing that. My pleasure. So now we'll get to, uh, yeah, what we plan to talk about here, and that's your research. So can you share, yeah, a little bit about Specifically, what topic will you be talking about today in terms of your research? I'm going to share information about one of the projects uh, we uh, concluded early this year. And this project addresses infectivity of three first viruses. And this uh, 
experiment and project included the recent L1C144 variant. Um, most swine producers, I think, have heard about this. I hope if they have encountered it, they have control it because uh, it just behaves differently to the use to viruses. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to hear what you have to say because yes, I've heard um, from folks in the industry that yes, that that variant does react and respond a little bit differently than other PERS um, variants that we've had within the industry. Yes, that's the, that's the general um, consensus that yes, PERS is a nasty virus. It always behaves differently, but this variant just went over the, the limit and just it took everyone by surprise. So that's one of the um, reasons we wanted to address this, this subject. So before we get too far here on our conversation, I would like to give a recognition to your funding source, because after all uh, research that is done at the University of Minnesota or any other um, location, whether it be within um, other universities, we rely heavily on that funding source. So who funded or what entity funded your research project? We have the funding provided by the Rapid Agriculture Response Fund. Uh, so this uh, fund aims to help researchers from the University of Minnesota to respond to urgent issues and also challenges that the state's industries uh, face regarding agriculture and natural resources. So this funding really helped us obtain the pigs for the project, the pay for the housing and the feeding of the animals, also to purchase the materials to collect the samples and also the, the money to test the samples. It really helped us. Uh, the duration of the project overall was one and a half years. Um, so we couldn't do this unless we had this support from the Rapid Agricultural Response Fund. Yeah, thank you for sharing the funding source and then also uh, sharing as well like specific components of the project that that funding was able to cover. So now let's dive in to further into your research. Can you give a brief introduction to your research study and explain why it was a valuable project to do? Sure. Since this virus that causes, that causes PERS was first described in the early 90s, the soy industry over the world and also in the United States has seen the emergence of different type of variants that depending on the source, uh, they say that it can cause severe disease, severe lesions, or can be easily transmitted depending on the type of uh, strain or variant. But in the fall of 2020, there was an increase in wind-to-market mortality that was associated with this new uh, PERS virus that was classified as an L1C144 variant. And in the cases that were studied, 91% of them were positive to this variant. And producers, and again, veterinarians uh, in the swine industry were describing it. It is behaving similar between farms, even though these farms are not close uh, between between them. There's um, no relation, but but the signs, the lesions, everything is quite similar. 
and it's hitting us hard, even though we have strict biosecurity measures, it's just going past them. And we don't really understand why. So from this, um, we try to address the situation and to see, okay, if is this really is this variant really behaving as it's being described in the field? So from this, we said, okay, let's compare this variant to other two known viruses, especially one that was in the past also a concern by itself. I'm talking about the L1A174 around 2014, 2015. It was also a, a, a high concern about this virus. It's still a concern to the to the producers, of course, but the, the L1C144 variant has taken over that. So we expect that with this information of this comparison of if it's more infectious uh, or if it has more infectivity, uh, can we really assess or say every time a new variant emergence that is of concern to the industry is really worse? And also with this information, I hope we can uh, improve biosecurity protocols in farms because that's the first thing we need to assess, I believe. So now can you explain, how did you complete this research project? As I mentioned before, this study took around one and a half years, a little bit more, but just the experimental part took us around six months to be completed. So we, in during this six months, we divided the experiment in three stages or three main groups. So each one of these groups corresponded to a specific first virus. Uh, for example, the first group corresponded to the L1A174, the second group to the lineage 9142 that is also uh, known as the Minnesota 3100. Um, this was used as a reference virus. And the third group was the L1C144 variant. So for each group, we allocated 36 pigs. They were purchased from a local vendor in Minnesota. And pigs were ELISA and PCR negative to, to PERS. They were the same age. And these 36 pigs were divided into six groups. But five of these groups were to be intranasally infected with a specific dose um, of the um, of the virus, uh, and so we have a group that were that came infected with more viral particles, and then diluted until the final group had fewer viral particles. Then for uh, for the last group, it was just a control group that we sham inoculated. Also, I would like to mention that each one of these subgroups was in their own room, they didn't have contact between groups. And uh, also inside their room, each one of the pigs was uh, allocated in their own individual pen. So even though they were in the same room, they didn't have contact with their neighbors. And this was because we didn't want to, the pigs being um, infecting other pigs, we wanted to, uh, if there was an infection present, it was because we, costed and not because other pigs cost it. So we have a better evaluation form um, 
So this experiment for each group lasted 35 days of housing. During that time, we collected different uh, samples such as blood, nasal and rectal swabs. And again, we follow very strict biosecurity protocols inside of the rooms. We had to change gloves or um, plastic gowns, even the bonnets, the face mask, everything was changed between animals to ensure that we uh, weren't contaminating and reinfecting or infecting negative, negative pigs. And at day 11, post-infection, we randomly selected two pigs from each of the subgroups to be euthanized so we can collect a specific um, organs and tissues to assess, uh, well, histopathological lesions. Mm -hmm. And the process was, the euthanasia process was repeated uh, the final day just to end as an end point to this group. Then the rooms were washed and disinfected for a whole week. There was a downtime. After that, the next group came, uh, everything was repeated. Again, washing and disinfecting. And the last uh, group came into, into the facility. And after that, it was just testing the samples. So how many times did you replicate? Was it just those two groups that you had? In total were, were the three groups, including the, the one that is as a control group, that is the Minnesota 3100. So three groups in, in total. Okay, thanks for clarifying. So what were the results of your research? They are interesting results. We found that comparing this variant with the um, reference strain, the L1C144 needs fewer viral particles to su successfully infect at least half of the pigs by day four, even at, at day one after exposure, but we anal an, uh, analyzed at day four and we can see this, I wouldn't say huge difference, but it's a significant difference in the amount of virus that is needed to infect the pigs. So from this, we can say, yes, it's more effective. Also, uh, well, and also between the reference group and the L1A174, there is no difference in the amount of viral particles that uh, are needed. It's basically the same amount is the, uh, an amount that has been described before by other projects. There is no change there. Um, but when assessing the nasal swabs and the rectal swabs to assess viral sharing uh, through 30 days, we found that even between subgroups, I mean, the ones that had higher viral particles and lower viral particles, the behavior, behavior was similar. They shed continuously or intermittent during the 30-day period. Some pigs may last a couple of weeks. Some pigs may shed through the 30 days. So that was not unexpected, but it was unexpected that between the three groups, the behavior was similar. And finally, uh, in histopathology, what we all know first will um, affect the lung but in, in this case, all of the pigs that were infected with the one, uh, 144 variant had lung lesions that were severe. And most of these pigs also had 
brain lesions and heart lesions, even though clinically the, the pigs seem fine. Uh, during the first week of the infection, yes, they were depressed, there was, um, uh, increase, uh, there was fever, uh, anorexia, but other than that, uh, you couldn't see a, a, a huge change in the pigs. And to find lesions in the brain was, uh, it, it, although it has been described, but most of the pigs with this variant had presence of these lesions compared to the other two groups which maybe one pig overall had these lesions. So I think this is also an important finding just to assess uh, further in, in histopathology. So based off of these results that you shared, what conclusions can be made from your research? I think special attention needs to be paid to emerging viruses, especially first uh, viruses that are being perceived as more infective, more virulent, more pathogenic. For this study, again, we found that the latest variant uh, of concern to the swine industry, again, the L1C144 variant, does really need fewer viral particles to infect the pigs. Uh, but the shedding of each one of these evaluated viruses, um, either through the nasal or fecal route is similar and it can be either continuous or intermittent. And again, even though it has been described before in uh, other projects, from even from the 90s, lesions in the brain, heart, and lung were present in um, all of the pigs that were infected with the variant compared to the other two compared viruses. So we, we can pinpoint that this variant is something else. It's, it's it's really causing something different to the industry. So to go along with that, can you explain why these results that you shared are important takeaways for the industry? I think the results from this study help um, helps us understand more about the dynamics that the new variant has under experimental conditions. But uh, we also need to find a relation to what producers and veterinarians keep seeing in the farms because again, under experimental conditions, these pigs were just purse positive. But we know that in farms, there's also help from other pathogens. Maybe there's influenza, maybe there's another bacterial that is grabbing its opportunity to do more um, damage. So that's maybe why uh, it's seen, uh, farms are seeing it worse but knowing that it takes fewer amount of viral particles to have positive pigs means that we need to reevaluate some of the biosecurity practices we have in place in the industry. So in order to improve them and minimize the risk of introducing these types of viruses in the farms, we need to look again what we're doing and how, um, just combine what we're seeing in this type of experiments to what we have uh, in biosecurity terms. So lots of important takeaways for the industry. So to wrap up our discussion today, is there anything else that you would like to comment about, whether it's something you forgot to say earlier or if there's just, yeah, an important takeaway that you found from this research that you would just like to, to stress to producers? 
Uh, thank you. I believe as first, viruses are adapting and overcoming host and biosecurity barriers. I think we as members of the industry and academia also need to adapt and challenge uh, the place protocols and the place knowledge that we have. Having more understanding of this virus can mean having better tools and not only to prevent the introduction, but also the dissemination and the increases co increasing cost of elimination. So um, this means not taking everything for granted and just don't accept everything um, that we have in place. We need to test better solutions or just challenge what we know in order to improve the, the, industry, the overall industry. And as you mentioned about biosecurity, I'm assuming as well, you know, not to become complacent on those biosecurity protocols that, you know, making sure as we're entering those barns and interacting um, within those barns that we're, we're following those biosecurity practices that are in place in the barn because they are there for a reason. They have been shown um, and proven to, to help with with disease transmission, correct? Yeah, exactly. As maybe the practices we have in place now worked for viruses uh, five, 10 years ago, but we're seeing that these viruses are adapting to the environment, are adapting to the host, to our practices, and they are how would say updating the, themselves continuously and we are just i wouldn't say all of us but if we are stuck with the same practices that we have had for several years and just as you mentioned just complacent and uh, and say no i have biosecurity measures but maybe they're they're uh, outdated we need to review them constantly and say maybe this way of doing this thing or, or this particular thing is not the best way to go to prevent the introduction of this virus. So update is what we need at the moment, I think. Very good. Thank you for sharing all of that. And thank you for sharing your research on PERS virus variants infectivity. And I'd like to thank everyone listening to the University of Minnesota Swine and You podcast. Again, this has been Sarah Sheik Belke, Swine Extension Educator, along with Marcelo Malini, a veterinary medicine graduate student. To further connect with the University of Minnesota Swine Extension, please visit the swine specific webpages on University of Minnesota Extension's website at www.extension.umn.edu backslash swine. On those swine pages, you will find connections to our blog as well as our Facebook page. To learn about research being done by our swine faculty in veterinary medicine, please visit their Swine in Minnesota blog at www.umnswinenews.com. Thank you.